edge of real and cyberspace, there's one place you can go, and you've found it. Welcome to the Nightwise.com podcast, Season 16, Episode 5, Data and the Erosion of Privacy, with Trains. On this week's walk through the countryside, Nightwise presents us with some food for thought about how we manage our private information online, and about how those managing all of our social networks manage our information and us as a result. Without further ado, let's cut over to Nightwise, somewhere in the Belgian countryside. On the edge of real and cyberspace, there's one place you can go, and you found it. Welcome to the Nightwise.com podcast. Um, I'm out in the woods behind my house, uh, doing a little bit of a walk, enjoying the morning. It's going to be another beautiful sunny day here in Belgium. And um, I had an entire show planned out. I've actually got the mind map with me, but I wanted to keep that for another time because uh, today I wanted to talk about something else. Something that has been kind of keeping me awake, and that is the slow erosion of our personal privacy. And I know it's been a topic that's been gone over for uh, quite a few times, but I did want to touch it in this show because maybe I won't be able to give you a structured answer on what to do with your personal information and how to guard your privacy, but I do want to, I don't know, get you thinking a little bit about the value of privacy and anonymity in general and what you as a geek might be able to do to keep your lost vestiges of personal information for yourself. Let's get into it. There was an article on a Belgian technology blog that actually triggered all this. And the article was about the use of uh, an app called It's Me, which is um, used by governments to authenticate yourself. Your It's Me identity is tied to your actual citizen identity and it's used by your bank. Uh, here in Belgium it's kind of funny, uh, you authenticate for It's Me. It's Me is your government ID, but to verify that you is you, the government asks you to ask your bank, and your bank asks you to enter your PIN code and your card number, and then your bank says, yeah, that's the guy, and the bank says to the government, that's the guy, and the government says, that's the guy. And your It's Me account is tied to your phone, to your biometric data, to a PIN code, and to your, well, citizen ID. And it's a great app. It's, it's an absolutely great app. I mean, it used to be uh, hell to log on to uh, official websites for, I don't know, um, getting funds for your company or signing up for a training and, and getting, a, uh, getting support from the government or, you know, all kinds of things. And it's also great for signing into your bank when it's really something that you want to make sure that you're doing right and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a remarkably easy, simple, safe, and uh, good app for a government. I'm, I'm really happy with it. But <laughs> here it comes. The European Union has a plan to start using It's Me a little bit further than just online. They also want you to, when you check into a foreign hotel room, 
do that with your It's Me account. If you sign up for a Facebook account, they want to tie to your It's Me account. And when you sign up with a Google account, they want the same thing. And this is where I started to get a little bit uneasy. Now look, I don't friggin' care if Mark Zuckerberg knows that I love Transformers, Star Trek, and I've been Googling accessories for a standing desk, and he might be able to sell that data to somebody who will probably spam me for neoprene hot pink slippers, which I don't need. I don't really mind the use of behavioral information and preferences for advertising purposes. Hell, it will give me more targeted spam. I don't really mind about that. What I am, however, a little worried about is this loss of anonymity. Because let's face it, if they tie your Google and your Facebook account to your actual citizen account, well, then it becomes very interesting because, well, you know, that's you. Now, going back to the time that everything changed a little bit for me when I started my own company. Now you know I'm Nightwise and I've been always I've always been called Nightwise online. I come from the days of the internet when everybody still had a handle. Uh, to this day, I mean I have a lot of friends who just call me by that handle and even if they call me by my real name, I get uneasy. And it's always been interesting for me working with this name, working with this identity, because um, when I got into technology as a profession, I actually had a chat with one of my bosses. He called me into his office and he said, like, how are we going to work with this? I mean, when are you Nightwise and when are you the guy that works for me? I said, what? You know, the Nightwise does all the geeky things and the real you, you know, the, the actual use works for me and is kind of more like... Uh, Sorry about that, that was a train. Good morning, that is the 7.10 a.m. towards Brussels going right there. Um, this guy was asking me like, you know, when are you Nightwise and when are you you and how I deal with this? I said, I don't know how you deal with this. To me, the two identities are, are almost the same and um, it's just the name. Things really changed when I started up my own company. I was still Nightwise on, uh, on Facebook, managed to uh, hang on to the vestiges of that alter ego for a while now. Slowly but surely, I had to make a choice. I went like, okay, people are looking me up, clients are looking me up, I can't confuse them as to who I am. So I switched to my actual name. And I, I got some really nice comments from friends from the Nightwise.com community who to this day still go like, we see your real name? And we go like, that's not what his name is. His name is Nightwise. And I like that. I, and, and I still hate the fact that on Facebook I have to be, you know, that real person. I don't mind being it on LinkedIn, but I've been posting less and less on my personal Facebook account and using it less and less for, for the Nightwise.com community just because of that, because there's this discontinuity. And I understand the reasons for this. I mean, a lot of social media was set up to to harvest people's information and to give people the um, ability to to talk to each other and to comment and the powers in silicon valley thought you know what we're gonna have to 
let them use their actual name. That will stop them from being rude. <laughs> well, fast forward a couple of years and it didn't work, did it? YouTube comments are still vile. Social media content and what people put on there is absolutely disgraceful. Yet they happily sign it with their own name. There was a Belgian TV show actually <clears throat> that did a bit about this where they would look up people who would say these outrageous, racist, politically incorrect things, you know. Hold on, second train. Ladies and gentlemen, the 715 coming from Hasselt, heading to Tongren Central Station, day two. That is track two, track two. This train will stop in Tongren, Herstal, Milmoor and Liège Saint-Guimet. But as I said, this bit that they did was where they would actually look up these people and, uh, you know, knock on their door with a camera. And hey, you are Jacques Pliskens? Yes, I am. On the internet you said blah, 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 blah. Do you really mean that? And these people would be absolutely gobsmacked. And that's the downside of social media, I guess. We are giving everybody a voice. These stupid things that people utter used to be uttered at the corner of a bar and nobody knew who you were, but now you have a stage on the internet and everybody is able to uh, read your stupidity and be influenced by it. Now, fast forward to this day and age where we are at the post-Trump era. Facts are very muddled and we don't really know what is what anymore. Everybody says what they want. Everybody spouts the most insane theories about certain topics. And the algorithm is sure that the more niche and the more aggravating your comment is, the more attention it gets. And we get this disproportionate society where niche content that used to be mumbled at the far edge of the bar by the drunk weird guy that would really upset people now suddenly gets the center stage. You know, imagine this situation where you're in a bar and you're having good conversation and there's Mr. Weirdo at the far right of the bar. He goes like, blah, 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 black, black people, blah, blah, blah. And the entire conversation in the bar stops and a giant spotlight swings towards him. That's basically what the algorithm is doing. Because it's content that aggravates, that gets a lot of content, uh, gets a lot of comments, attention, views, the algorithm pushes that comment forward to the foreground. And what used to be background rumbling from some weird guy is now suddenly sent to stage. And I see this very, very clearly in, in today's world. We are in the middle of a vaccination campaign where, you know, people are being vaccinated. So everybody's asking everybody, so hey, are you getting vaccinated yet? When, when are you going to get your shot? And some people say like, well, I don't know if I'm going to get my vaccine. Really? Why? Well, this guy on the internet says blah, blah, blah. And I went like, what? And suddenly I see the actual results of all of this mayhem pouring into reality. I just wanted to give you a little bit of heads up or a little story here. There's this girl and there was this meme going around. Well, not, not a meme, it was a, a, well fake news or whatever you want to call it. 
that once you get vaccinated, you become magnetic. And you can actually stick a key to your skin and it will stick. This is pure nonsense for stupid people. She was influenced by it to a degree where she used her company Facebook page to test on her clients who had been vaccinated whether or not the key, the house key, would stick to their arm. Now, it's, it's hot, it's moist, people are sweaty. Of course it will stick. It's not magnetic, it's, it's, it's you know, oil in your skin. She used her public company Facebook page and her clients, her clientele, to spout these things online. Don't get vaccinated, you'll be magnetic. And it's sad if you think of it, you know, that people all around me get influenced by this nonsense. A lot of people that I'm talking about these days uh, don't want to get vaccinated. And I went like, you know, if you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your choice. I mean, if we're all vaccinated and you get sick, well, that's on you. I'm, I'm fine with that. But it's the reasons for this. They, they, they find the most insane theories online start believing it and boom so where i'm getting at with all of this is that the fact that we use our real names online to get into these social conversations or stuff is not really stopping us from being an idiot apparently so that's when i get worried when we go towards the next step when the government says hey <laughs> We want to make sure that you take responsibility about what you do and what you say online. So we're going to keep you. So we're going to make you accountable by giving you the option, or maybe that maybe we're going to force you to use your it's me your citizen ID to log on. So you don't use a fake real name. Are, we, are you still with me? All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm online under an anonymous alias. No, 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 no. Use your real name. Then you'll be nicer to people. Well, that didn't work. And now it's like, use your real, real name to be nicer to people. I don't know if it's going to work. And this is one of the motivations of this plan. I mean, they want to make people accountable for, for the, the news they spout online. You know, 5G and... Uh, you're gonna, Bill Gates is gonna be, be able to track you and, and, you know, insane stuff like that. The problem is not that people say this stuff. The problem is the algorithm that pushes it to the foreground and gives us a totally disproportional look on reality where we have to spend a lot more attention to total bullshit than we should. As I said, it used to be the, the weird guy mumbling at the edge of the bar, where now, if he spouts something, the entire conversation and attention shifts towards him. And as a society, not a good thing. And with that connection being made, or about to be made, between the Facebook data set, the social media data set, and my actual identity, basically allowing my government maybe not access to that identity, but there is a connection between, uh, access to that data, but there is starting to become a connection between those two. 
I cannot disavow my online knowledge anymore because it is tied to my It's Me account. So this is me. I can't say like, that's a difference, blah, blah, out there. That's not me. That's, I don't know. That makes the fact that whatever I utter in my home with my Google devices around is not only analyzed by the big bad, big, big Google, but can actually be tied to who I actually am as a citizen in my country. Starting to get a little nervous. Classic, I don't have anything to hide. I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, whatever you're doing wrong is relative. That all depends on your government. They decide what's right and wrong. Here comes another train. This one is going, this is a, a newer model, you can hear that. That one's going to the coast. <laughs> so it's a two, uh, two hour and three quarters, it's almost a three hour train ride to do 200 kilometers to the Belgian coast. Have fun with that. Um, so, you know, what is right and wrong is de determined by your government and you have a fundamental right privacy. That's why you have, I hope, curtains in your bedroom window so your neighbor doesn't see you frolicking around with your better half. That's why we have doors in uh, public restrooms because they won't, well, just strangers have no business seeing you make your, I don't know, organic deposit. Privacy is not about doing something wrong. It's, it's a fundamental right. And this got me thinking about all of the applications and services that I sign up for where I am willingly becoming the product and spouting out information and you know starting to think about what if this is tied to my actual citizen ID what if these data sets are also linked to who I actually am and do I have something to hide no but do I want that data set to be enriched? Do I want that picture to be painted in an even more detail? Maybe not. And that got me thinking about another, some applications that I use to kind of take a look at how I got my privacy. And maybe there are some on there that you might want to use as well. Belgian coast, have fun with that. Um, so, you know, what is right and wrong is de determined by your government and you have a fundamental right of privacy. That's why you have, I hope, curtains in your bedroom window so your neighbor doesn't see you frolicking around with your better half. That's why we have doors in uh, public restrooms because they won't, well, just strangers have no business seeing you make your, I don't know, organic deposit. Privacy is not about doing something wrong, it's, it's a fundamental right. And this got me thinking about all of the applications and services that I sign up for where I am willingly becoming the product and spouting out information and, you know, starting to think about what if this is tied to my actual citizen ID? What if these data sets are also linked to who I actually am? And do I have something to hide? No. But do I want that data set to be enriched? Do I want that picture to be painted in an even more detail? Maybe not. 
And that got me thinking about another, some applications that I use to kind of take a look at how I got my privacy and maybe there are some on there that you might want to use as well.
a lot of the applications that we use in this, well, very cloud-like world are hosted on somebody else's machine. We used to have our computer with our files and our documents and our data, but, well, basically I can toss whatever computer I want into the bin and start out on another computer and all of my data will be there. Hell, it's actually a little bit more of a requirement that I will be able to do this because, you know, we all work in the clouds or we work on different systems. And as a cross-platform geek, I like to slide from A to B just because I can. But a lot of these services are managed by companies who benefit from the fact that you store your data there. Either you pay for it uh, or you don't. And then you're the product and they use that information that you put out there to actually do stuff. I worked for um, a larger Belgian bank a couple of years ago uh, on a uh, chatbot functionality and we had a, a visit from IBM who came to talk about their AI that they had and we got this little demonstration and uh, they were actually running, they were running it on a, on, a, on a laptop with a webcam and it was a visual identifier. So you could hold something in front of the camera and it would guess what it was with a certain degree of certainty. Now, this is how AI kind of works. By having a lot of data, <clears throat> it is basically able to interpolate whatever input it gets based on the data it has, and make an educated guess. The more data you have, the smarter your AI is. That's as simple as it is. You know, their little app was absolutely frightening. You would hold anything you wanted in front of it, a pen, a chair, a credit card, uh, whatever. It would say like pen 80%, this 80%, that 80%. And we were building an algorithm for a chatbot. So I knew how much expressions and data we had to shove in there in order for it to start recognizing customer input based on, what the, on, on real language, but we needed an enormous amount of data just to have it, you know, confidently analyze something that the customer typed in. And even then we would get pretty poor scores. You know, uh, I, you gave me 6,000 sentences about uh, how you lost your credit card. And now somebody types in, I kind of lost my credit card thing. And then the, the AI says, well, I got a 40% certainty to this guy's talking about his credit card and he lost something. So this AI is, is really dumb. It needs a lot of data. The more data it gets, the smarter it gets. This IBM AI was absolutely, A, fast. Two, it was spot on. It had like certainties 95%, 90%, 90%, 90%. So I went like, wow, you must be feeding this a lot of data. Where'd you get it? And they said, well, Flickr. Sorry, what? Yeah, you know, we bought the entire picture set of Flickr and we shoved it into a, or AI and now it's really smart. So that online photo site that people had been using for years, I think I've got like 3,000, uh, sorry, 3,000 photos on there was just happily handed over to IBM, who made a very expensive AI on it. And that's how companies like Flickr and whoever hosts your data for free makes money.
by feeding it to the machine. Okay, so a lot of that data that I have out there is being used to do whatever. Do I really want that? Do I really need that? That's question number one. And question number two is indeed, what if my plausible denial of this is not my data is taken away by, for example, that account being tied to my citizen ID? So yeah, I thought, okay, what can I do to protect my privacy? So I'll start with the OS. Um, a lot of people say like, I don't use Microsoft um, because it uh, harvests your data. I don't use Android because it tracks your data. I don't use uh, iOS because it tracks your data, blah, blah, blah. Every operating system will probably track your data. It will, I know, if you put a, if you uh, activate a pie hole uh, on your network, which is kind of like a DNS server, you can actually track all the requests your devices are doing. Uh, and you will see that if even if you press the home button on your iPhone, it will call out to some server in Cupertino for I don't know what and what it will do with this data. I have no idea. So I kind of let go of the fact that your operating system uh, is not tracking you. It, it probably is, you know, just for update reasons or whatever. I don't care. The fact that, yeah, we'll use Linux for our privacy. Yeah, sure. You might have a marginal uh, gain on that one perhaps. Then you use the internet. Now the next person or the next company that knows everything what you're doing is going to be your ISP. You're going to start um, using, uh, they, will, they will track the requests that you do. Uh, they'll be able to track or log the requests that you do from your IP, from your home IP, all the internet traffic that's sent to there. Well, you can hide that by using a VPN. Or a couple of, use a paid one, please. There are a couple of uh, VPN services on there. I think that one of the more popular is NordVPN. And uh, it will build a secure tunnel to some company in, I don't know, in Switzerland or Norway. And your traffic will be encrypted. Hence, your ISP will not know what you're doing. Okay. Uh, DNS, if you use your ISP's DNS, of course. <laughs> Um, well, they'll be able to see which pages you request. So there are some services out there that let you um, use uh, encrypted or, or secure DNS servers where your DNS requests are sent over the line, not in clear text, but in an SSL connection. Apple's going to actually make that a paid service, iCloud Plus or something. Well, hey, yippee. Privacy is going to be something that's going to cost me. But you can use an alternate DNS server aside from the one from your ISP. Browsers, well, you can use Chrome, you can use Edge. Both of them are provided by a company. So maybe you just don't want to use their product. You want to use something that, it's, that doesn't I know, benefit from the data you put into it then you can go towards something like Firefox. If you want to completely obfuscate how you are surfing, you can of course use Tor. The Onion Router, the Tor browser, will route your traffic all over the world and uh, let you exit to the internet in different places so it's harder to track. Tor is a good one. And then it comes to mail. 
Gmail, Office 365, iCloud Mail, they are all provided to you almost for free by these companies. So the question is, do you want that? Um, one of the things I've been playing around with a little bit is um, ProtonMail, which is a free service, but it's supposed to be uh, an encrypted email that is based heavily towards privacy. And you get a free account there, and they even have an app. They even have a paid VPN service if you want to use it. Um, and you can have an app on your phone, and you have a web-based interface to access your proton mail. So you're outside of all the big four. Notes, OneNote, Google Notes, all of them provided by the big ones. Um, I was told about Joplin, which is a cross-platform note-taking application, which centralizes your notes in a little database. And from different devices, you can access said database. Um, I was very impressed by Joplin because it also had a command line uh, version, which I, which I really liked. And um, you can put that database either on your OneDrive, on your Google Drive, but you can also, you know, run your own next cloud instance. And that's the next one that I'm coming to. Where are you going to host your files? Are you going to just put them in the cloud or are you going to run your own instance? of said clouds by um, by running something like Nextcloud. An alternative to that is also running your own NAS. You can do that as well. You know, you can buy a Synology, run it at home, and you can synchronize one of your folders with your Synology drive so you can have everything on there. So all of these things are a little bit of uh, options that you can use to safeguard your data from the big cloud companies and the possibility that said storage or said accounts might ever be tied to who you actually are. Then there is the socials. Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how is it with that. I mean, if you chat online, uh, logs will always be kept. But there are places that will allow you to um, have a more decentralized account. I'm not an expert at this. If you want to learn more, go over to the Nightwise Discord server, which is, I don't guarantee it's privacy, by the way. I have no idea. Um, but I do know that you can make an account with uh, an anonymous name. So that's at least something, right? Um, there are a lot of, you can go over to our Discord, chat up some of the guys, uh, especially I think Daniel's into this, the cyberpunk librarian, on Mattermost and Matrix and other decentralized social media solutions out there. But it's not about the technology, it's a little bit about the mindset that you need to, I don't know, download into your head first whenever you go online or whenever you want to share data. And that's what I wanna talk about next.
it's not just about the applications, it's more about the mindset. The mindset being, why do you need to know? Now, I'm a Flemish guy and uh, the Flemish people are kind of like the Canadians of uh, Europe. We are way too polite and we are sometimes way too docile. If you will give a Flemish person a form to fill in, he will fill in said form. Name, address, married, income, position, number of kids. Wait, wait, why is this form again? Oh, to get a free lollipop. Why do you need to know this? There are companies asking for information. There are sometimes forms that you have to fill in. There's like some, some uh, I don't know, uh, during the COVID area, era, you needed to register whenever you enter the shop, stuff like that. And, you know, everybody just fills it in. Blah, 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 blah. And then I went like, wait, why do you need to know this? I'm, I don't know, buying a pair of shoes. Why do you need to know all of this information? I am just, I'm giving you money for the shoes. Give me the damn shoes. You don't need to know my email address. You don't need to know my age. But it's for a database. I, if you want my data, buy it. You have to be a little bit aware of the value of your data. A lot of companies are making more money off your data than off the products that you buy. If you're buying a service, you're buying the service and they only need the data that is essential to provide you the service. If they ask for more, you are obliged to say, no, no, I'm not giving this to you. It's a mindset about what you want to share and what people really need from your information to provide you with the service. I mean, if you, the GDPR has done a lot regarding to this, but it has done nothing about the mindset of people who, without thinking, just fill out any form that's placed in front of them. Um, I was once asked to uh, fill out a form that uh, asked for my social security number or the Belgian equivalent of that. Well, if I got the right information about your company and your social security number, I can pretty much hack your company administratively. I did a demonstration about that, how with a simple phone call, some spoofing and somebody's social security number, I was actually able to register myself as a co-owner of said company in uh, the government database, if I wanted to. So. I said, uh, well, no, I'm not going to fill that out. And I got a phone call. This girl said, um, sir, you didn't fill out the form completely. I went like, well, I'm not going to give you my social security number on paper. Well, we need it for the form. I said, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. So, you know, be a little skeptical. So I talked about her. I said, like, you know, the combination of data on your form gives someone with, with the right knowledge the ability to, to do, you know, all of these things. And this was a form for me that I had to fill in in order to give a talk about security. So I said like, you know, I'm just, I'm talking about this very thing in this form. So I'll give you my number, my social security number, not just not on this form. But the mindset that I want to let you go with is the fact that who needs, do you, do, a third, does a third party really need my data, this data, in order to provide me with a service? And can I decline?
and the age-old mantra that if you are not the customer, then you are the product. Think about all of these free services you use and think what they might do with your data. Do you really want them to know X, Y, Z? Is the price that you pay with your personal information still in line with the service you are provided? If I take a look about, about all the things that Facebook knows about me <laughs> and the actual experience I get from it, I went like, you're, you're really not worth this. And then there's, of course, the fact that you can think about the alternatives, you know. Can I use an alternative, ser alternative service? Can I use an alternative application? You can either pay for a service or you can, you know, host your own. And here privacy versus convenience comes in. And then the final question is, what if? What if my government or the people in charge at some point decide that this behavior or this mindset or this way of thinking is no longer, well, okay. And they decide to do something about it. What if the information that I have here is tied to who I am as a citizen? And what if my, if my government decides that people who think this way are not okay anymore or will get sanctioned or will get extra monitoring. Because as long as you trust in your government, it's fine, but governments change and history has taught us that governments really make wonky turns. So the information that is out there can be put into a different context. And are you okay with that? So that's the one that I want to let you think about a little bit. And maybe you'll be a little bit more aware of the value of privacy and your personal anonymity. And that's all the time we have this week on the Nightwise.com podcast, Season 16, Episode 5, Data and the Erosion of Privacy. As the internet and social media have evolved, the lines between online life and so-called real life are blurred more than ever. We are in a post-truth and post-COVID world where the algorithms decide or heavily influence everything that you see online. And those algorithms are not choosing for your benefit. They're not choosing based on the quality or reliability of the information. They want engagement, clicks, and watch time, and ultimately, revenue. If you have thoughts on this topic or on any of our other shows, we'd love to hear from you. Most of the action these days is over at the nightwise.com Discord. Links from that are available over in the show notes at nightwise.com. And if you prefer to do things the old school way, there is always feedback at nightwise.com. Until next time, Keep an eye on where your data's going and be sure to let the technology work for you instead of the other way around. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to the nightwise.com podcast. 
the show with hacks, tips and tweaks for cross-platform geeks. Send your feedback, questions or start your own personal flame war by contacting us directly on feedback at nightwise.com. You can support the show by sharing it with your friends or writing us a nice iTunes review at www.nightwise.com forward slash iTunes. If you have some credits to spend, click the PayPal button on the nightwise.com website to help us pay the bills. Just remember, there is real life outside cyberspace. But it's not all that important. <laughs> <laughs>